Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Games are so much more than, well, games. They're complex, engaging, exciting artifacts that play a significant role in society, education, and beyond. That's why we founded Board Game Academics earlier this year. As a group of tabletop gamers and academic professionals, our mission is to combine research and gaming in novel ways that benefit academia and the tabletop industry. We're doing this by focusing on the historical, cultural, and systemic exploration of games as they relate to complex themes like race, gender, nationality, ability, sexuality, and class. To present and celebrate the work of the researchers who have submitted their papers to Board Game Academics, we are holding an inaugural conference on August 2nd. If you're attending Gen Con Trade Day, join us at 2 p.m. on August 2nd. If you're not, registration is now open for the virtual conference taking place on the same day. Register today and discover the exciting, creative, and thoughtful approaches to gaming that are encouraging meaningful discourse between researchers, teachers, and gamers. Use the discount code PODCAST on our website, boardgameacademics.com, when registering to receive the student rate. Again, that discount code is PODCAST, www.boardgameacademics.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast that board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 429, the 20 most anticipated summer and fall games. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially our new Patreon backer, Adam. Adam, thanks so much, my friend. You rock. All right, my friends, we are back and we are super excited about the second half of 2023 at the beginning of the year we told you what we were looking forward to and now that it's halftime we're taking a look at this upcoming summer because of course convention season and then of course the big fall and christmas season coming up so we got 20 of the most anticipated games that will be hitting the convention circuit hitting the table hopefully pretty soon and you know all the fun things that are happening for the next half of the year. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. So, like, at the beginning of the year, it's very scattershot. It's like, here's stuff coming from Kickstarters and GameFound, and maybe it's been announced, and maybe it's rumored, and who knows, right? There's a bunch <laughs> of games that end up on that list, and, like, it's a lot of who knows. Um, and we Every year we get to the end of the year, and we look back at the list from the year before, and, like, half those games never came out. And a third of them weren't very good. 
So we get to the middle of the year and we get to be a little more excited about things that we know are coming. Uh, so nice. we've had a lot of big releases already in the first half of the year. So it's kind of exciting to see how many games are scheduled to be coming out at Origins and Gen Con. The list doesn't reflect a ton of stuff rumored for Essen yet. And honestly, we don't get those games until next year anyways, usually. So those tend to be 2024 games for us. So this is a lot of heavily focused on the summer, early fall with a couple of later exceptions. But these are 20 games that we're looking forward to that we should be able to play in the next three to six months. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff happening. And especially if you are thinking or if you're going to one of the upcoming conventions, Origins is happening this week. Gen Con is coming up. Essen a little bit later. These are the games that you should be building your schedule around when you're going to those conventions or when they hit the stores, whether it's online or local, because you should be ordering these in advance because summer is the biggest game time of the year. So we'll be talking about that in our feature review. So stick with us. A lot of fun coming up there. Uh, Anthony, I guess we should mention a couple of things that are going on with BGA. Yeah, no, we, we, we're moving, we're shaking. It's summertime. Uh, we're always doing stuff here. Uh, we mentioned this last week. I think we formally announced it. I mean, I, I say formally announced, but we've been saying this for months that we're doing this. <laughs> uh, we're going to be at Gen Con. We're going to be at Gen <laughs> Con in six weeks now, which is crazy. Um, so much planning left to do. <laughs> um, but we're going to be there just in our capacity as Board Gamers Anonymous. So if you're going to be there, we might see you. We'll be walking around the convention floor. But... On Wednesday at Trade Day, we're also going to be presenting the first annual conference for Board Game Academics. So if you're at Gen Con and you have a Trade Day pass, stop by and see us at 2 o'clock at the JW Marriott. Um, if you're not at Gen Con at all, and I mentioned all this at the ad at the beginning, but if you skipped it, I'm doing it again now. Uh, if you're not going at all, we're having a virtual conference, which will involve a lot of activities on Discord several presenters um, who, are, who are joining us virtually. Um, you get access to recordings of everything. So you can participate either way, whether you're there live, whether you're going to not coming to Gen Con at all, whether you're somewhere in between and just don't want to come to Gen Con a day early. We got you covered. Uh, so we're very excited. It's our first um, conference putting on together to present the work of the researchers who are going to be in the journal latest, later this year. Um, and we, we really want everybody to come on out. So Check out BoardGameAcademics.com. It has all the information, and you can register there and get on the list. Yeah, and if you want to hear myself, Anthony, and Will present, go to BoardGameAcademics.com because our two presentations that we did at Long Island Gaming Expo are up there now on that particular website. So if you've never been to an academic presentation, never seen a panel presentation, or just wondering, what do these guys keep talking about? Like, it's academics, but it's board games. Check out those two presentations. One is on mental health and board games. One is on uh, board games and higher education. And again, as Anthony said, there's going to be a tremendous opportunity to find out so much other stuff that's happening out there. So we really want you to join us. We're really excited about it. And we're bringing so many great people and so much great research to the table. So please join us. So, Anthony, that's what's going on with us. And again, Gen Con plans will develop as time goes on, and we'll give you some more updates on that. You're doing something on the Patreon account. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it's my turn to hop into <laughs> the, uh, the the hot seat for our Patreon weekly uh, backers. Um, 
And this week I'm diving back into the pool of the Kickstarter postmortem. Um, I, I keep joking how it's the finale and then it's not because there's too many to talk about. Um, I am getting close, though. So <laughs> we're going to talk about um, some more recent stuff, stuff that's come out recently that's come in that I have that I either have or have not played. Uh, these last couple episodes have been really interesting because it's games that are I got a little more discerning at a certain point. So it's less of me being like, yeah, this was bad and this was bad and this was bad. It's more of like, this was interesting and this was interesting and this was good and this was bad. Uh, so if you are a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or higher, you get access to those weekly bonus episodes where I've been running through the things I backed on Kickstarter. And once I finish that, I'm going to be going through kind of my deep dives on my top 100. Um, Chris does, you do the kick in the habit every other week. So we got bonus content up on Patreon almost every week. I don't want to say every week because there are some weeks where we do not publish, but three or four times a month, um, you get a a full extra episode if if you're at that level or higher. All right. Well, that's what's going on with us, Anthony. Let's see what's going on with our friends. What's our question of the week? All right. uh, So I asked everybody the same question that we're going to answer. What are the games you're most looking forward to? that are scheduled for release this summer or fall. So I got a bunch of good answers from our backers, from our listeners. Um, over on Patreon, we had Drew mention Mr. President from GMT, a deep immersive experience into the modern presidency um, with a big old solo experience. Charlie also raised their hand, interested in that one. Tom mentions Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Um, because of all the fancy bits and being able to share Castles of Burgundy with a whole new group of people. Uh, Ryan mentions Earthborn Rangers, which is fulfilling in the States this summer. Card-based exploration and adventure game where you take your ranger deck and explore the EBR world. So kind of a similar vibe to like Arkham Horror LCG with like a true solo component to it. Uh, Robert mentions Dead Reckoning Letters of Mark. Um, Such FOMO when you miss the first Kickstarter. Can't wait to get our hooks. I mean, hands on the card crafting swashbuckling goodness. Uh, Charlie is excited about Martin Wallace's Bloodstones, which was on GameFound late last year. Um, Euro block war game. Uh, it says Wallace's games generally just really click. Um, rules seem straightforward so far. Anything to make a war game easier is super down for. Um, over on the Facebook, a few other answers. Mab mentions Expeditions, the Scythe sequel, which is coming out very soon. Um, as does Chris. Both huge fans of Scythe, excited for the sequel that's coming up real soon. Um, And then Michael mentions Redwood. Uh, Beautiful and unique movement and picture-taking mechanic. It's gorgeous and it looks really fun. Looks like a very welcoming game. So we had like a nice cross-section of different answers from everybody, different types of games. Um, There was a couple that had multiple answers, but none that was like everybody was excited about the same thing. It's not one of those years, I, I think. And you'll see that in our list too. I don't think any of these games is like the single home run that everybody's waiting for. Yeah, no, it's nice. It, it's a lot, a lot of good diversity there at these upcoming conventions. So hopefully we'll be able to take a peek and see, you know, what's coming up this year and how great it's going to be. All right. So that's everything that's happening with everybody out there these days. Anthony, let's talk about the games that we want at the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. So it's uh, another year. We got another Lacerda game. So we <laughs> got to do our due diligence and uh. talk about Natal Lacerda's next big box of stuff. So this one is Inventions, Evolution of Ideas. It's on Kickstarter now. 
And it's, of course, designed by Vital Lacerda. It's being published by Eagle Griffin. It's a big, giant box. It costs like $150. And it's artwork by Ian O'Toole. So if that all sounds familiar, it's because it is. They've been doing this more or less annually for about eight years now. Um, And I've backed everything since Lisboa. So I haven't missed any. I backed all of them, even like Escape Plan, which I was iffy on. And more recently, Weather Machine, which <laughs> still have not played. So the the thing with this one, I think that's getting me a little bit, and I'll, I'll run through, I guess, what it is in a moment. But the thing that's getting me with this one a little bit is Vitalisirda's games are, are generally brilliant. Even the ones I don't love are very good games. But they're a lot, right? They're big, they're sprawling, the rules are long. It takes time to set them up and to learn them and to play them. Um, Even the best ones are heavy games that require a bit of an investment. So I don't play many of them all that often. It's hard to get them to the table that much. Um, And I now have eight of them. So as more are coming out and as I start to consider, like, I'm going to get rid of Escape Plan probably because I don't think I want to play that anymore. Uh, Weather Machine I've had for the better part of a year and I have yet to play that game. So should I buy another one, <laughs> right? Do I need another one of these that's going to take up a big chunk of space um, and that costs $130 plus shipping? I don't know, right? And that's got nothing to do with the mechanics because mechanically, I trust Fatala Serta. I, I, I'm sure this is a good game. I just don't know if I need it. Now, the game itself, the reason why it's still on my acquisition disorder and I have it bookmarked on Kickstarter and might still back it anyways um this is a game about quite literally the development of ideas over time so it's like tech tree the game kind of but like with the vital Aceritas special twist to it so you've got all these different cards simulating all these different concepts um ideas basically that are going to turn into inventions so things don't things aren't invented yet you are working through the idea the ideas that have come to you as the quote-unquote inventor and building them out and creating these new things so it's a very tactical game um, where you're kind of responding to different things at different points based on what's available to you. I'm not going to run through all the mechanics. I'm not going to run through exactly how everything works or what's in the rule book. That's all on the Kickstarter page. Um, what I will say is that it looks a lot more streamlined and intuitive than like Weather Machine was. Part of that is with Weather Machine, we had a game that was effectively science fiction, right? And so a lot of things were more abstract than we're used to. Like, Lacerda's games are very, very thematic. And him making a game that was a little bit, not even not thematic, it was still thematic, but just not grounded in the real world, made it harder to understand what exactly you were doing. That game was hard to learn, right? That's why I haven't really played it. Um, Compared to a game like On Mars, where everything represents a thing that we can recognize, and it makes it easier to kind of follow. This kind of seems like it's going back a little bit more to, like, the things we'd recognize in a game about building inventions and technologies and and the representations that those things are, there's still a lot of abstraction here because we're talking about ideas, not like tangible things or places. Um, But I'm not as overwhelmed, like looking at the playthrough, looking at the rule book as I was with like weather machine in terms of what you get in the box. It looks pretty standard for Eagle Griffin game, right? Big board, um, beautiful, you know, uh, pastelish colors from Eno Tool. Um, not as many idea cards as, as you might think, but again, it's, you got to keep it nice and tight and balanced. So, but they're all very well illustrated. 
all these screen print screen printed little wooden pieces and tiles. Um, it's really not that many pieces overall, considering, you know, again, $130 game. Uh, but it, it looks interesting. So I don't know. I'm on the fence here. I think it'll probably be a good game. I, I don't get the full sense of it by looking at what they've provided so far in terms of videos and uh, content. Um, so I'm going to co- poke around a little bit more before I commit to anything. And honestly, it's going to come down to like, is this a game that I think would replace another game on my shelf? Right. It's got to be, it's got to elevate. It can't just be, I need all of Lacerda's games anymore because they're too expensive and they don't get played. So even though I love them, one of my favorite designers, but it's just, I, I don't need a ninth one of these if it's still not going to be played. And if it's going to take away from time, I might play on Mars or Lisboa or the gallerist, which are all brilliant. So um, that's inventions. It's, that's more of a, a me preview than a game preview. But if, you know, as they, as the kids say, if you, if you know, you know. If you're a Lacerda fan, you're already looking at this. If you're not, you're probably not interested. So, Yeah, I, I mean, same here. I mean, Ian O'Toole and Vital Lacerda games are just kind of like an automatic buy. And in a day and age where that's really hard to find, right? Like, as far as, like, who are you going to back without even, like, even questioning it, like as far as quality is concerned. Eagle Griffin does a great job as with their deluxe productions of the games, although they've creeped up in price to an you know, it's it's becoming it was always kind of uncomfortable. Now it's getting like just noticeably <laughs> like right up for the front. Uh, you know, a couple dears, dollars here and there, and it really just kind of breaks the piggy bank a little bit. Which historically, when we looked at Euro games when we first got into the hobby, we were like oh, this presentation of this Aaliyah game with its beiges and pale greens and not much else can't be worth whatever it was at the time, $50, $60, right? And then we would kind of just fall back on like, well, there's so much inventiveness and creativity and it's a Euro game and it's got crunch to it. And obviously now in the day and age where everything is super deluxe, you know, beautiful quality, Ian O'Toole, just all over the place. You look at the game, you're like, this looks, again, from the look of it, and if you played any number of games, when you look at a game and you see the pictures of the board and the play, you can kind of imagine how it plays and how, it's, how it seems. It doesn't look like a $125 plus game. No. So it looks like a very good game. doesn't look like 125 plus. As you mentioned, for me too, when we we you and I had done this separately, when I went through the videos, I was really challenged by it. I I thought it was a very limited, extremely limited kind of you know insight and review. I mean, there was playthroughs, but very very limited insight and review as far as like does this play well? And some of the people who usually do give that kind of information are doing previews, so they're not giving their kind of general impressions outside of like pull quotes which are always really problematic when you pay for war previews so coupled with the fact that in same here unfortunately weather machine i have not yet played i do not own a copy i did back it and heard things about it that made me just take a second and have not been able to you know kind of wade into that rule book so to speak so a couple of things kind of held me back a little bit I don't own all his games. I would, 
if I could afford to own all his games. <laughs> um, but like, again, with like, you, I, I think you mentioned um, the heist one. I remember looking at that game and going, um, this kind of looks fun, but it's very expensive and it seems to be on the lighter fare. So I was like, I don't know if I could back escape plan for that. I love Lisboa. I own Lisboa. Gallerist I own. Um, Kanban EV for some reason didn't back it, maybe because there was so many other versions out there at the time. Vinos I backed later on. On Mars I have, you know, from pretty much from day one as well. I'm still on the fence with this. It's really weird. And again, like you said, it's it's somewhat of a money and space issue more than anything else. This is available for play online on Tabletopia. So, Anthony, maybe you and I need to play this first online and see if that um, works. Although I'm yeah. not, not the biggest fan of Tabletopia, but it is what it is. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a round or two <laughs> just to get us. Yeah, I, I think so. And again, I, it doesn't, as you mentioned before, too, like when it doesn't have. When the game is more of the abstracted side, it is a little more difficult to read through and understand and play it out and stuff like that if it's more just thematically true to our everyday life experience like Kanban EV for example or Lisboa and it's so and that's again what Vitalisir does traditionally so well is his games are thematic by which it makes sense what follows next so when you get to more of the abstract side and it doesn't follow because there's some side of abstracted kind of thought process then it becomes a little more challenging i want to back it in a different world this would be an automatic back without even a question but maybe again tabletopia so um thanks for eagle griffin to uh putting that out there so we can get a chance to play it uh, on my side um not something as grand but i think something interesting that's that's currently out there in kickstarter and i think you mentioned earlier i did kicking the habit this past week so if you're a Patreon backer, I went through 12 games on GameFan and Kickstarter, and one of the games was Thiefdom. Uh, lead a daring guild of thieves on the ultimate heist in this immersive board game for one to four players. What's interesting about this is a little bit of, of what come, you know, the pieces that come together here. So this is from the creators of Clans of Caldonia. Uh, the very, I, I want to say famous, the very famous Kickstarter way back when and i mean way back when and it was a very popular euro terra mystical terra mystical like kind of board game uh that was on kickstarter it was shrunk down a little bit when it when it got actually released but it it was a solid game hit the table at all times and anthony i know you're a big fan of that game right yeah yeah it's my top 50 i, yeah. I love it yeah so you've played that a lot so i was like oh cool so this is coming from a, a really good designer here and then you add into this, you know, really, uh, and again, what again, what usually tracks your attention on Kickstarter is what kind of presentation and illustration is looking at. So this is from the artist Vamiko, uh, who I guess is best known for uh, the North Sea and West Kingdom games. It's mm -hmm. that very cartoony, medieval life looking artwork. So, which is cool because... Clans of Caledonia, solid Euro mechanics, and then the that you know set of games from the North Sea and the West Kingdom, really cool artwork, a very different style of artwork that we've seen in a lot of games, and would bring people to the table. So basically, in this game, it is a Euro game, but it's a little bit different. So you're going to be leading 
uh, a guild of thieves to steal the riches of a medieval city. And in this competitive game, you're trying to show that you're the most successful thief. So you get three thieves, you send them out amongst the city. There are four city guards that are controlled by the other players throughout the game who are going to send them after you. And then throughout the game, you're collecting equipment and you're getting equipment and people to help you, again, based on that kind of Euro mechanic where you're collecting resources and trading resources to get other resources and things. So as the game goes on, your three thieves are going out there. They're they're on a actual modular map, and they go out to different sections of the board to get to uh, the people who have all these riches, steal the riches, and then kind of do a pick up and deliver because they're smuggling the goods. So now you have to take the the goods that you stole, avoid the guards, get to the dealers that can make the trades based upon what they're looking for, which will score you victory points and gain you extra resources. And then, of course, as long as you can avoid the guards that the other players are commanding, you're going to be, a, a, you know, the master guild of thieves and get all the victory points. And again, uh, the, since the map is modular, you can kind of flip it and rearrange it in every gameplay. There's a lot of cards. There's a lot of equipment to play through. It looks like to be a very nice production of a game and a very different type of game. Again, maybe oddly enough, this reminds me most of Vitalo Serta's escape plan which has Euro elements and yet pick up and deliver situation. Uh, there was an early bird, uh, which unfortunately are all gone now at this point, but you can still pick the game up for about $32 US, and that's not too bad. Again, shipping is always the problem, so again, depending on where you live, you're going to get hit. Some places worse or better than others, but a fairly inexpensive game and from a very good pedigree and a very good artist. Yeah, this is the other big game right now that's on my saved list. Um, I'll probably go in on this, if nothing else, because it is only $32. Yeah. <laughs> and on this one specifically might be part of the reason why that Lacerda game is so hard to pull the trigger on. Yeah. Like, that's like, it's 129 so, like, plus shipping. It's going to be 150 to get it shipped. This is 32 plus shipping. And yeah. the, shipping's, the shipping's a bit high. Uh, it's like almost 20 bucks, I think. But... Even then, it's still $50, and there's a lot in the box. And knowing Clans of Caledonia, a game I've played like 100-something times, I'm like, ah, it's a pretty good designer. It seems good. They paid a lot for artwork. That looks good. It's not like there's no components in the box here. There's a lot of materials here. Um, and like you said, it honestly, it looks like a more robust type of take on Escape Plan, right? This, yeah. The, the the thiefing and pick up and deliver components within a, a euro and that game just never quite felt complete in that way mm. um this looks like more so it's not my favorite genre anyways but this I'm, I'm on the fence here i'm i probably will go in on this one yeah this game is also available on tabletop simulator so if you want a chance to play it this might be the easier play on tabletop simulator because again this may be my bias, but Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator are challenging for me to play, to you know, to move everything on the board and stuff like that. I I like that when everything's locked in and the game rules are, are there. But nonetheless, it is up and available, and I, I love that idea, so you can get a chance to, to check it out. And like you said, 
it's weird. It's weird how, again, Vitalisar deserves all the money in the world. Eno Tool deserves all the money in the world. You know, all of those things. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to drop it in an extra $100 these days. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, again, um, Karma Games, thank you for producing a game on Kickstarter that is, you know, reasonable. I mean, they they could have easily charged 60 dollars for this game and i've been like yeah that makes sense so it's what everything costs (laughs) it's what everything costs so you got about 10 days to go on this campaign if you're interested in checking out that thiefdom it's up on kickstarter hey everybody we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor marvel strike force marvel strike force is a mobile squad rpg that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Anthony, that's the games that we want at the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table. We'll let people know if those games are a buy and they should run out and buy those games, no matter what the cost. If those games are the play and they should sit down and play them, those games are the dodge and they should avoid them. Or, in fact, those games are the dreaded burn and avoid them. So Anthony, what did you play this week? All right. So uh, you and I got a chance to get together. Um, my birthday was this last weekend. So you came down and we, we hung out at a couple game stores uh, in Philly on South street. Um, and I got a chance to play a couple games that you've already talked about. So this is not like, no, no, like sp- spicy, hot new reviews here. Um, but I know a lot of people like it when we go back and talk about some older games and new mm-hmm. perspectives. Um, so the first game that I got a chance to play was Star Wars, the deck building game, which is, is still new. It's just, you've already talked about it. So I did. We, we, we have discussed this a little bit. Um, it's designed by Caleb Grace, Fantasy Flight Games. So this is like the weird new game from Fantasy Flight because they don't release many new games anymore. Um, and Caleb worked on Marvel Champions, worked on Lord of the Rings LCG. So kind of taking those LCG mechanics and a very liberal helping of star realms and giving us an asymmetrical star Wars deck building game. Um, and that's exactly what it is. Like if, if that's all you knew, then you would understand 95% of the game. 
it's Star Realms plus the asymmetry of an LCG. Here you go. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it worked really well doing that. Uh, the um, the push-pull mechanic between the Empire and, and the Rebellion is always fun if implemented effectively. And I think this game does that where there's a good balance between what each side can do and how they do it. Um, the shared deck mechanic that's always a challenge with games like Star Realms because you're, you're pulling stuff from the same deck into the same market and both sides are trying to get certain things to match their sets. And sometimes the market doesn't really reflect what you want. This game has a mechanic to deal with that. And I know later versions of Star Realms do, does as well, but the original didn't really. Um, whereas if you're the Rebellion side, you can sabotage those Empire cards and get them out of the row. And then your opponent can't get them. And if you're the Empire side, you can bounty hunt the Rebellion cards out of the row. And you get a bonus for doing so. It gives you something else to do with that extra attack that you often get in any attack-based deck building game. Uh, but it also helps you kind of manage the push-pull between your you and your opponent. Um, I really, really like that mechanic. I think all deck building games should have that, right? <laughs> all, all card games with a market should have that. Dune Imperium should have that somehow. Figure it out. Um, give me a bonus for getting stuff out of the market. But, like, I have to use a, an action to do it. Give me something for doing that. Not as good as if I did something else, but it is still an option for me to do, and it hurts other people. Love it. Um, the card balance is great. The card artwork is fantastic. Uh, you know, it's there's some reused artwork here from all the other Star Wars stuff out of Fantasy Flight. That's fine, because they do a good job. Um, and everything felt very thematic. Like, I don't really have much more to add beyond what you said. This is a buy, because it's... Honestly, the major issue with it is that they're charging like 35, 40 bucks for it. And the box is about 80% too big with this giant insert that doesn't need to be there. Um, and if they would just come out and say, hey, we're going to release four more expansions, I would be fine with that. But so far, it's like you can get Star Realms in like a tiny little deck box for 20 bucks. This is almost double the price for the same amount of cards. <laughs> so uh, they slap the IP on there. Um, but the game's fun. And I love that the asymmetry is there in a way that like Star Wars doesn't necessarily have until you get to the uh, the later stuff. So Star Wars deck building game is fun. And so I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to play it finally. Yeah, it's still a buy for me after playing a couple times. Uh, both sides play very well. Whether you're the Alliance or Empire, don't worry too much about that. Obviously, there is some luck as far as what cards sure. come out to the market row. But as Anthony mentioned, this game helps you cycle the market row far better than any other you know deck builder that i've seen in recent memory and that has been the ter that has been the undoing of a lot of games doing imperium right especially where you just you need certain cards and certain cards are benefiting you and you can't get certain cards because the market row is kind of locked up so and again when the game is about deck building and you can't get those cards it's a nightmare this game kind of solves that more or less. There, you know, there's still a lot of cards. It's still a lot of cycling and things like that, but it does it in a very thematic way. And I really appreciate that. So if you like Star Wars and you like deck building, this is obviously a buy. If you're one or the other on it, it's still a buy because again, you don't know, you don't need to know anything specifically about Star Wars, the IP to enjoy this game. I think it just plays very well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like if you do know Star Wars, everything's thematic, so it's even better. But mm -hmm. mechanics work well. 
Um, so the other game we got a chance to play uh, that I had actually somehow never played before. It's come up on this podcast. Uh, and Chris, you've gone through this game and given the rules and discussion for it like 11 times, probably there's, in the last year. There's a lot of expansions to it and a lot of yeah. uh, versions of it out there. Yeah, yeah. So this is Small World. This is one of Days of Wonders early smash hits. Uh, it's been around since 2009. So obviously I'm late to the uh, the party here. And, you know, part of the reason for that is I'm not big on, like, this type of map control game. I've come around on it a lot in with some recent releases where it's more Euro-ish. It's more um, balanced in that way. Uh, but a lot of the earlier ones, especially when I first got into the hobby, they just rubbed me the wrong way. Where, like, I do a bunch of stuff and someone comes in and wipes it all out. I'm like, cool. That was a waste of all my actions for the last 20 minutes. Fun. Um, it's the point of the game I get, but... And it's just it's not fun for me. So I avoided this game because it seemed like more of that. Um, I've now played it, and I will say it's not really that. It has elements of that because any game where you place troops on a map, people are going to knock them out. But, you know, combat's deterministic. You can see what's coming. You know who's going to come at you and why. So you can plan for it and work around it. It really is, you know, there are some tactical elements, but it's strategic in a lot of ways as well. Um, very high level, quick run through of what you're doing, because again, Chris has done this for you all several times. But if you haven't played Small World or don't know what it is, this is a game in which you will choose a combination of some kind of trait and fantasy race, combine them, take the troops represented by that combination, and on your turn, place those troops out on the map. Uh, over time, you will move those troops around, combating other people knocking them out or just spreading your influence at the end of each round you get points based on how many spaces you have on the map you get bonus points based on maybe the trait that you picked up maybe your race maybe other things going on with the map uh, and at a certain point you might decide you're done with that race because you're running out of tokens or you just want to move on and there's a better combination in the market and you go into decline you give up you take a pass on a turn you go into decline you flip everything over you keep control of those locations, but now you only have one uh, token there and you don't get to activate them anymore. Uh, and you get a new race combination and you place new stuff out on your next turn. So it, it's a game. It's a game about putting troops on the map. Yes, but it's also a lot about knowing when to kind of make that decision. And based on the length of the game, because we played both at two players and four players, it really is 100% about when to make that switch, right? In both games, I didn't win, didn't win either of those permutations, but both times I could see like, oh, if I'd switched around earlier, if I'd taken this combination or these two combinations that you took, that's what made the difference in the game. So there, the strategic element has a huge impact. There are tactical decisions you're going to make, like I'm going to go this direction versus this direction, or he's attacking you there, so I'm going to attack him there. Just that's normal troops on a map stuff. But the big thing is not waiting too long to go into decline, I think. Um, and I have a bad habit of that in this type of game where I wait just a little bit longer than I should to hold position, to hold locations, or, oh, nobody's messing with me. I can get a away with another round. But because the game forces you to basically pass for a round when you go into decline, you almost need to do it a little bit earlier than feels comfortable most of the time, um, with a few exceptions. I mean, I'm sure there's a million exceptions. I haven't played the game as much as most people, but 
I really like that. I love that idea of just like, when do I do this? How do I do this? It's entirely dependent on what everybody else is doing. When do they think they're going to come knock me out? Um, if I leave everything out for too long and then they all get wiped out, now I'm losing multiple rounds of productivity because I have nothing on the map. Uh, so that's a very cool idea to me. Um, the base game by itself obviously doesn't have a... I mean, it has a lot of content, but in a four-player game, we saw all of it and kind of started cycling through it. Obviously, this game's been out for 14 years. There's a ton of expansions. So that's not like a criticism. That's just a thing. Like, if I was reviewing this in 2009, I would say, it needs expansions. In 2023, it's more like, I should get those expansions. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I I believed you, Chris, that I would like this. I always did. Uh, I just, I guess I needed you to teach it to me. So now that I've played it, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like to try the other versions of it. I think I have this, the World of Warcraft version somewhere in a box in my basement. I might dig that out and, and see how it plays. Yeah, it's it has always been a buy for me since the very beginning. This is a Days of Wonder game. So back then in the day, I mean, that was a high mark of quality. I played this with friends. I played this with hardcore gamers. I played this with new people. In fact, when we played the four-player game, we brought two new people into the game. Um, one hardcore, you know, kid, you know, was crushing it throughout the whole way. And it, what I think it does best is it balances a lot of things you mentioned. Like, there's tactics in the game. How you, you know, what you do and how you do with the troops is essential. But there's also strategic decisions that you're making throughout. And that's also essential throughout the game, too, because what combinations of special races and powers you pick is essential. So you're looking at this lineup and based on what you pick and when you pick them, it, it brings together, you know, multiple rounds of game playing and just, it's, it just, it, it falls into line or you do the best you can with your tactics. So strategy matters, tactics matter, you can play one stronger than the other and still come out with the win. You can play them both brilliantly, come out with the win. Uh, and then again, the other players at the table. And I, I think especially with the troops on the map situation, I think one of the things that a lot of designers have gotten wrong over the years, or again, maybe it's a publisher issue or error, is they always put that one map out there. Now, sometimes that's thematically true, right? Like Game of Thrones, the board game. But nine times out of ten, if you don't have the right player count for troops on the map game, it's not great. It's in fact bad in some cases, like yeah. other players benefit. And I don't care if you block out certain areas like blood rage, it just does not work. Cause anytime when there's like a lesser player count with blood rage, <laughs> you can kind of position yourself with that dead space to your back. And you're now you're like, okay, this is fine. I'm fine with this. But I mean, this and Kemet, and I think our our friends on on our our Patreon friends on our Discord were talking about this today, Matthew and Corey, that the essential quality of troops on the map is the troops need to fight, and if they don't fight, if they don't interact, it's a bad game. Small World has a map for every player count, so you're not trying to like weirdly kind of accommodate a certain player count. There's one for every player count. And there's multiple versions of this game. So you can find the version of this game that works best for you, more serious, more more family-friendly, and then an endless number of expansions. And I love the expansions. There's global decks and 
I, I was talking Anthony's ear off about all the different stuff that you can play with it. I have the Super Deluxe Edition, which, again, now I'll bring it out one day. Anthony and you and I will play it. Um, so, yeah, Small World. Love it. Still love it. Great, great game. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you finally taught it to me. It was fun. All right, so that's everything that's hitting our table this week. Anthony, let's do it. Let's talk about our feature review. Our feature review this week is a 10, 20, yes, in fact, it's the 20 most anticipated summer and fall games for 2023. Halfway through the year, we're enjoying so many games at the table. There's so many games still yet to come. So my friend, you have put together a fantastic list of all these 20 games. Let's take a run. Yeah, so let's do it. Um, so this is not everything, obviously. It's everything. There, it's got to you know, be everything. Not everything. There's only 20 more games coming out this year, people. Don't oh, listen man. to it. Only that 20 more games. Lives, <laughs> that would make our lives so much easier. <laughs> Gen Con's going to be so tiny this year. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of people just cancel their tickets. Like, ah, the refund date was last week. You have to go now. Uh, no, so... I, we wanted to like narrow the list. When we do this at the beginning of the year, we often have like 50 games that we're anticipating for the year. And it's a yeah. long list, and we run through it really fast. And it's fun, but who knows, right? A lot of stuff in there could turn out to be nothing. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit shorter. These are games we know are coming very soon. We will be able to play these by the end of the year, unless something crazy happens. Disney Lorcana. So <laughs> we wanted Somebody's to run... Somebody's getting sued, bro. Yeah, someone's getting sued. <laughs> uh, so we're going to run through these. We're going to talk about why we're excited uh, very briefly and uh, when they're coming out. And uh, hopefully you are equally excited. So first on the list, we have Expeditions. This is the sequel to Scythe. This is coming out this month or next month, uh, shipping directly very soon uh, from Stonemeyer. They took pre-orders a few months ago, and they printed a billion copies of this, apparently. So hopefully you can still find it whenever, wherever, if you haven't backed it yet. Um, this is a card-driven take on uh, this world. I, I don't I don't even want to say formula, because it seems very different from the core formula of Scythe. Um, but it's an engine-building game, rather than kind of the peace movement game and, and the mech-based map thing that you got in Scythe. Uh, hard to say yet if this is going to be good. I mean, I'm sure it'll be good, but whether it's going to like live up to scythe levels of excitement, but people are super psyched for it. I I'm very interested to play it. I plan to track it down at Gen Con and give it a go uh, just to see kind of how they mix this formula up. Yeah. Is, is this going to be scythe the card game or is this one of those situations where it's like uh, the founders of Gloomhaven? Mm. Yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah. I mean, either of those would be disappointing. Scythe the card game is fine, but $70 for Scythe the card game? I don't know. <laughs> um, after that, we got the Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Normally, I wouldn't put it like a Special Edition version on here, but this is such a big, ridiculous production, and tens of thousands of people backed it. So it's highly anticipated. Many of our listeners mentioned it um, when I asked this question. Uh, so it is Castles of Burgundy, but we've got redesigned art. New layout, new materials, a couple of expansions, a bunch of extra stuff thrown in there. It's a big blowout version of this game. Um, and it is currently getting ready to go on boats. So it should be arriving uh, September, October here in the States. Yeah, I mean, again, if you own this, you don't necessarily need this. But if you own this or have played this, this is amazing because you know how to play this game. And you can get it to the table pretty easily, and it's gonna it's going to impress. Absolutely. 
next up, we have Mr. President, the American Presidency, uh, 2001 to 2020. Um, uh, listener, friend of the show, Drew, mentioned this on our Patreon. This is a solo-only game, so kind of in the vein of like a um, the, several of the GMT games, big, sprawling GMT games that can last for five to ten hours when you play solo. Um, so a very unique kind of experience, but it's been on their P500 for, I think, five years, four years, something like that. Like, I pre-ordered this so long ago, like pre-COVID, <laughs> that the address, the payment wow. information, everything was incorrect when they messaged me. So um, it, it's this is the type of game that, like, if you're into these... And Gene Billingsley's done a ton of stuff for GMT, a lot of, like, Next War series, a lot of war games. But this is politics, so it's kind of getting away from that, you know, dudes that are out fighting each other and more towards, like, the, the thematic element uh, of politics. It looks really good. Again, it's a six-hour solo game, so very small niche audience, but those of us interested are very excited. It looks very cool. It is huge. It's, yeah. This is going to be a... I mean, from the pictures, this has got to be a five-foot-wide board, I would say. I mean, at least, again, it's hard to know for sure about the table slot, but yeah. Yeah, it's, is... it's enormous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Voidfall. This is the big, the next big release coming from Mind Clash. They also have Septima coming, um, which didn't make it to the list, but it is coming soon, right? You back that. I did. It's a much smaller game, much lighter game from Mind Clash. I think they, when they went to Kickstarter, they were like, we're about ready to go to production either way. But I think that will be there, but this will be their capital ship at the conventions. Cool. Yeah. So this one is, they're giving an ETA to their warehouse of July 26th. So they should be shipping it in August. Um, I did back it. I will be getting it in August or September or whenever. Um, it seems like there's a slim chance they might have it at Gen Con, depending on how much they want to pay for shipping. It's a big old box, so yeah. I don't know how many of these they want to ship in, but we should be seeing these by the end of the summer. This is their this is their take on 4X, so I really want to see what they do with that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being disappointed that I did not back this. So yeah. <laughs> um I'm 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 ready to be hurt again. It's fine. Yeah. You guys can do it, Mind Clash. We love you. Great games. This is gonna be painful to play and like um, I'm looking forward to hating myself later on. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I skipped Perseverance, and I couldn't bring myself to skip this one. So we'll, we'll see how it does. Good man, good man. Yeah. Uh, next up, and there are four or five expansions on this list as well. These are big ones that we are very excited about here. So we, they're not all full games. Um, this is Arc Nova Marine Worlds. So this is no surprise to anybody, but this is expanding... Uh, Arc Nova, the biggest game of the last couple of years. We get new action cards. We get marine animal mechanics. Um, we get a few new elements added to the game. It's not a huge, huge box expansion, but there's a lot here anyways to kind of build out that base system that everybody loves. And it should be coming out in the early fall. Um, they've already taken pre-orders, and it, I'm, I'm pretty sure the plan is to have it like at conventions. If not Gen Con, definitely Essen. Yeah, more of the same, but always welcome, especially when there's water involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up on the expansion list, we have Lost Ruins of Arnak, the Missing Expedition. Uh, this is the new one from Czech Games Edition from designers Elwin and Min. 
Um, we're getting two new leaders and a big solo two-player campaign in this box. So we got a preview of this back at PAX, like a very brief one that we weren't allowed to show anybody. Um, but it's been fully revealed to the world. And um, the, I believe this is planned to have this at uh, the conventions this summer. So I'll be picking up a copy of this at Gen Con, assuming they have it there. And look forward to really specifically that campaign. New Leaders is great, but the campaign will be cool. Yeah, the game the game needs more stuff because all the stuff is, and I mean this in the best way possible, has been played out at this point. So more, 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 <laughs> more, more things, more, more things for a good game. So yes, more, more, more. Love it. Uh, all right, next up we have a new game coming from Czech Games Edition as well, uh, Kutna Hora, the City of Silver. This looks like the the Euro release for CGE this year. They have like a medium to heavyweight Euro every year. Um, and this one in particular is about being a guild leader in mining uh, in the City of Silver in the 14th century. <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta love those like middle ages economic games but the thing that's most interesting about this is the artwork looks very engaging like you have these little tiles that represent different buildings and often that can just be very bland looking but these really pop they got like this almost like cell shaded look to them yeah um that you wouldn't really guess by the background on the cover because it looks almost black and white yeah it's it really i really like how this looks because you have this big black board and then you kind of fill it in with all these very colorful, amazing looking tiles. Um, so this one is coming out, I believe at Essen. Uh, so with CGE, typically the Essen stuff we do get here earlier. So we should get it by packs, hopefully. Yeah. I'm really excited about this game. Like you said, I think I get it, but I think the box cover does the game a disservice. It does. Yeah. And I think people are going to overlook it and they're going to miss it because I think, I think this has some really good bones to it. I think this is going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, no, it looks really good. And CGE just, even the, their games that don't click for me, I could still see how they're good. Yes. You know, like they don't release bad games. No. It, they take big swings too. Like even games that me don't too. quite work, they're like, that's impressive. I can't believe they made that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Cascadia Landmarks. This is the expansion for my game of the year uh, from 2021, Cascadia. And it's coming out this fall. So this is adding in new mechanics to Cascadia. We get landmarks, um, different habitats, and, and new things that kind of help build this out. It also expands the game to five to six players, which is nonsense. But we do get a nice, cool new component that go with it. Uh, I don't believe pre-orders or anything have opened yet, but they have said a couple times that the, the goal is for this to be in retail by the fall. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it for sale at the conventions as well. Yeah. I, I still, again, like you said, Days of Wonder, which I guess is a little bit older here, but I still have not played Cascadia. How is that possible? I don't know. You moved to Philadelphia, man. That's oh, on you, yeah. bro. <laughs> hey, it's closer than it was. It's true. <laughs> it's closer than Pittsburgh. That's true. Yeah. Uh, all righty. <laughs> Next one up here, we have a new one from Devere. <laughs> Devere has quickly become uh, one of my favorite publishers in recent years. Mm -hmm. So they really go for it with these big sprawling releases like Lacrimosa and Botoku. This is Three Rings Circus. And the reason that this one is so exciting is that, is that it is coming from Fabio Lopiano along with Remo Kunzidori. Um, this is a game about the circus uh, and all the things that go with that, right? So you are building your own little circus and you're trying to 
get the attention of P.T. Barnum. Right? So obviously this is taking place like turn of the century since this type of circus thankfully doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> right? Um, but the artwork looks beautiful. Uh, nice pastel look. It's not, I don't believe it's a tool, but it kind of has that aesthetic going for it. Um, and it, if it's coming from Fabio Lopiano, we're looking at a game that should take an hour to an hour and a half at the most and still feel crunchy and interesting. So um, this one looks like a fall release as well. All right. Next up, we have Barcelona. This is the we talked about this recently. This is Board and Dice kind of breaking out of their tea game uh, design aesthetic and, and doing something interesting and different. Um, whereas City of Silver had a, a cover that does not do it justice. This has a beautiful cover. Yes, very much so. And really, again, I, I don't want to take anyone's I don't want to just, you know, smirch anyone's, you know, special creativity and stuff like that. And I get it and the tea games and stuff like this, but at a certain point you were cannibalizing your own, you know, creativity and marketing. Like people didn't know, right? Like we, we talk about them all the time. We actually did an episode just on the tea games. Yeah. So we have all the love for the tea games in this world. I really am thrilled that they went outside of that and it's colorful. It's bright. The components look great. It's it's such a departure from so many of their games, maybe outside of Tales Walk On, which is kind of similar to this as far as presentation is concerned. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I yeah. really like it. Um, and it's a tile lane game. It's got worker placement elements. You're building up a city, but it's not like Middle Ages. It's more recent. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is, again, a fall release. So probably expect this around Essen-ish, and then it'll trickle out here in the States, hopefully by PAX. Um, Age of Innovation. This is the Terra Mystica kind of. I don't. I don't quite want to say steampunk, but it's definitely like a, a jump forward. They're trying to get you into it, like a new era with technology rather than like high fantasy. Um, but it is Terra Mystica, right? Everything looks like Terra Mystica. <laughs> There's no like huge differentiator there. Um, I'm mostly interested in this because I want to see what they do differently, right? When we got uh, the Terra Mystica in space, Gaia Project, they made a lot of changes that really enhanced that formula. They helped balance it and make it more engaging, and the technology was really interesting. This one seems to be a little more in line with Terra Mystica, like in terms of like core mechanics, but I'm interested to see like what they do with that. So um, you're obviously going to have the asymmetry with the different factions, which is what these games are known for. You're going to build buildings that are going to come off your mat, you're going to merge them into cities. You're going to combine them and to build these different factions. But all the different stuff they've kind of layered in, um, it gives you like additional advantages. I, I want to see how that works. Very much, very much. Yeah, I'm excited about this as well. I, I guess this they've obviously, like everyone else on the planet, has recognized that they have a great game. And if they fiddle with it a little bit, they can have a great game that everyone can play. Yeah, yeah, just like rework the formula yeah. and get it out to people. Like Terra Mystic mm-hmm. at this point is a little overwhelming, but give yes. somebody something different. Absolutely. All right, uh, next up we have Pompero. This is the windmill game uh, that is, it was on Kickstarter uh, and I believe pre-orders in general opened up earlier in the year and probably it's out there with some people, but just broadly reaching a larger market um, here in the end of the summer. 
Uh, this is designed by Julian Pombo, who worked with um, Vital Lacerda on the solo modes for Lisboa and CO2, and also co-designed Mercado de Lisboa. Um, did a lot of play testing and development on Escape Plan on and on Mars. So knows his stuff, has worked with Lacerda for years. And so I'm really interested to see this game. I believe it's the first one that they've worked on solely by themselves. Eno you know, tool artwork and everything on top of that. Um, and it looks beautiful, of course, because it's the Eno you know, tool. So <laughs> <laughs> excited to see this one when it's uh, available. Didn't back it, um, but hopefully get a chance to try it soon. Same here. Uh, Iki Akibono is the first expansion for Iki, which is one of my favorite games. And for a long time, super under the radar, impossible to find. But Sorry We Are French brought it back. And now you can actually find copies of it, which is amazing. And I recommend you all go do that. Um, so this is going to introduce new stuff. You get a new location uh, with the bridge of Nihonbashi. Um, you can stop there and meet different people from the Edo era. You can trade with the ships. Um, there's new character cards and building cards, new tokens and stuff. Like It's adding a lot of new content for a game that has now been out for seven years, I think. Uh, eight years. So I'm really excited about this. Uh, I will play this game any day, but getting more content will always help bring more people out. Yeah, absolutely. Can't agree more. War of the Ring, the card game against the Shadow. The first expansion for War of the Ring, the card game. Um, this is more focused on like solo cooperative play, which is not what we thought it would be for the first expansion, but I'm still excited about it. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, should be available by the end of the summer. Yeah, there's a pre-order up by Ares Games, but yeah, now I'm excited. This is great because more of the same, and uh, yeah, I like to see the other expansions come hopefully soon after. Yeah, yeah. So we, everybody, go buy it if you want other stuff. Even if you're not like into this, if if you, if this one flops, then they won't make other expansions. It's true. Ticket to Ride Legacy Legends of the West. We talked about this maybe just last week or the week before. Um, this is the legacy version of Ticket to Ride from Rob Davio, Matt Leacock, and Alan Moon. It is coming out, I believe, in November. So it is not hitting any of the conventions. Um, it will be out at PAX. So it's kind of releasing in that window that uh, Pandemic Legacy did, like mid to late October into November. Um, I'm probably going to get it and regret it, but it looks cool, and I, I do think this formula could work in a way that a lot of other legacy games do not. Agreed. All right, we have Moon. Super excited for Moon. This was on Kickstarter not too long ago. The third in the trilogy from Sinister Fish Games, um, following Villagers and Streets. Um, this one is getting close to fulfillment from the Kickstarter. Uh, don't know exactly when, because that's how these things go. We, we don't never know exactly when, but um, <laughs> based on the current production level and where they're at with shipping, it should be arriving in the second half of the year. Yeah, no, back to myself, and this is, weirdly enough, my most anticipated game, uh, at least as far as Kickstarter is concerned, because I've loved their other two games. One is obviously right in my wheelhouse, the other one's a little bit on the light side, but I still love to play it, so yeah, this this could be a thing, I'm you know? Looking forward to it. A uh, couple more here. Uh, Disney Lorcana, this is... Yeah. <laughs> no, don't. No, no, no. We can't even talk about that. I talked to the lawyers. We can't. We can't even talk about it, man. What? What are you doing? Oh yeah. So sorry. So sorry. Okay. So this. 
game that maybe might have had some Disney stuff in it was supposed to maybe possibly release at Gen Con. Maybe it still will. We don't know. Alleged, Anthony. Alleged. The alleged, alleged, alleged Disney game. It's an alleged Disney game that will be allegedly, you know, released at Gen Con, allegedly. So, I don't know. Might be a thing. Can't say. Lawyers won't let me. <laughs> I can either confirm or deny the existence of Larkana, even though we've talked about it for several months. I can't even, can't even confirm whether or not we've done that either. So, yeah. Oh, man. I, I look forward to seeing how this shakes out. As, as somebody who will not be buying this, I'm just like, oh, I want to see what goes down here. Yeah, we'll be at Gen Con. So there allegedly could be a crazy, massive wave of people crushing Gen Con just trying to get this game because it's amazing. And or all the Disney adults out there that were like, oh, there's a Disney game out there? Just like how Wingspan kind of blew up a whole separate audience. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, maybe it's one of those weird things where like, it gets stopped and there's like three copies at the table that they forgot to like tuck away. And then like, yeah. And then people are selling on eBay for like $2.4 million. And yeah, you know, things could happen. Yeah. It'd be a thing. Yeah. It, I, it very well could. I expect it to be crazy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll come back to you after Gen Con with what happened there. Allegedly we will. We can't Allegedly. say what, we can't say whether or not we will be back with more information about this. We will be at Gen Con allegedly all right yeah we, we might fall in a hole in indianapolis it's, have you seen indianapolis <laughs> <laughs> uh come on be nice um takedo duo is a game that already released i believe in france but is coming out here in the states in august uh at gen con it's launching so it's a two-player version of takedo love takedo beautiful game give me a, a two-player version of it to play with a partner or with a child Sounds great. Smaller board, more streamlined mechanics. Um, Antoine Bowser knows how to make a two-player game out of a multiplayer game. Has done so before to great effect. So looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Is This is a guaranteed pickup day one. The only thing I will say is the description that they put up here for this game is choose where to walk to see the best things. <laughs> like, I think you're underselling the game, my friend. To be fair, that is exactly what the game is. It is actually, in fact, what the game is. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> oh, that's that's a fantastic description. Um, all right, so let's leave off with one more here. That it's, it's another Disney game that I don't think has any legal action associated with it. <laughs> this is Disney animated. This is coming from Prospero Hall and Funko Games. Uh, and I know this is one you were talking about as being excited about. It's like going through the process of actually animating the Disney game, the Disney mm-hmm. movies, right? Yeah, I, I mean, Funko Games has done an outstanding job. I mean, obviously, Prospero Hall has just kind of cornered the market. We were just talking about this at the two game stores that we went to. Like, once upon a time, it was maybe Milton Bradley or Hasbro, and now it's Prosperous Hall just kind of owns that unique family area. And Prosperous Hall produces games that are gamer games for a family level. So... That's no small task, and this one actually looks like it's an actual game game, kind of like Villainous, but I have not played yet, so we're going to keep it in the allegedly seems that way. Yeah, yeah. It's just a very cool idea. You're making the movies. I love that. It's fantastic. Really, really excited about this, and I think this could be their breakout hit. They've had a lot of, like, okay games. This could be their one that just busts out loose. 
All right, well, there you go. The 20 most anticipated summer and fall games for 2023. We will be talking more about these games throughout the year as the conventions come up. Next week, we will give you a full recount of everything that happened at the Origins Game Fair. And then coming up, Gen Con, we will be on the ground and we'll be talking more about some additional fun stuff that we have not mentioned yet that we'll be doing at Gen Con. So stick with us as far as that's concerned. And, you know, hopefully you all get these games to the table. But Anthony, until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.